To episode 10 of the Walsh's Playbook. Uh, a bit of a milestone for us, reaching our, our 10th episode, um, but obviously a much bigger milestone and, and something really significant at the moment is the fact that we have a new NBA champion. The Milwaukee Bucks in six games. Yeah, a little bit different to what both of us predicted initially. Um, we, we nailed our um, conference finals predictions at times. There were some things we got really good, but the NBA Finals, you know, we both saw the Suns winning it. We did, and um, a lot of people were on the Suns bandwagon, especially after two games. They're up 2-0. Um, it really looked like Devin Booker and Chris Paul had things sorted. Um, could could Milwaukee adjust in the rest of the series? Um, but, boy, did they, yeah. Yeah, so the main... I think if you're new to watching basketball, you know, if, if you not haven't been a huge NBA fan previously or haven't really watched it before, um, what what something to take away from this is how cool it is to have a seven-game series and how important adjustments are. So that's a huge thing in the NBA. Exactly, yeah. How teams can adjust, how players can adjust. You know, you see game to game. You know, each game is incredibly different because you see coaching staff and players, you know, act and react to what's happening in games prior. So I've had people, you know, who aren't huge basketball fans say to me, oh, is it not... Is, would it not be more exciting to just have one grand final game, not, you know, a seven-game series? But to me, the excitement of it and, and the intrigue is, is, you know, watching teams adapt um, and, and, you know, adapt, adapt the way they play, the mm-hmm. way they approach the game. And that's what the Bucks did really, really well. So hats off to them. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to see teams um, adjust into a series. Um, yeah, if it was just one game, it would, it would get pretty, yeah, like the nerves would be there. Um, and like, it's really cool to see teams like, you know, settle in for a long series. Yeah, battle it out yeah. for seven games. So today we're going stru- to, we're going to structure our episode by, um, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into game six, because I think, the really uh, the cool thing about breaking down games is how you know it, it's what you can take away for the next game, right? That's why we break down our games and go through the X's and O's. So ne- given that the season's over, I'm not going to go t- through game six too much, but I will rattle off a few key points from that incredible game. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got a few more things on the cards as well, don't we? Yeah, we've got an old school story, which will focus on Alan Iverson. This was before he was the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bit of a story about how he you know, got into the NBA, some troubles he had along the way, which would be very cool. Yeah, and then uh, just overall, you know, a look at uh, framing this last championship, what it means for the NBA and the league going forward, um, and uh, maybe even some early predictions or just insights into next season too. Yeah, definitely. So um, to start off with game six, um, what an incredible game. Uh, to start off with, I've got five points, so I'm just going to rattle them off and we can just have a discuss these. So number one, uh, I saw early in the game a lot of nerves from both sides. Um, keep in mind, you know, you spoke about this, you made a really good point early, um, that this is... 12 guys on each squad that had never won a championship before and only there was hardly any I think it was just Drake Jay Crowder Jay Crowder had been to two finals yeah now. he had been uh, to the finals but no yeah, one else had even no been to else, the finals yeah. so this is the biggest game of practically any of their lives um, so you see a lot of nerves and in a nerve-wracking game it is so crucial to get easy buckets definitely when you get layups I mean this is at any level you know I used to think this when I was playing um, 
if you get easy layups, if you go to the free throw line and convert some easy points and see the ball go through the hoop, that's going to go a long way to building confidence and just getting rid of the, you know, the rattles and the, the nerves. And there's that um, added pressure on Milwaukee. They're, they're at home with a chance to close out the series on, on home court um, in front of the fans, and you want to do that instead of you know putting yourself into uh, a tougher situation, which is a Game 7. Yeah, so what they did really well is the Bucks, the Bucks came out and they... Um, they forced the ball out of Chris Paul's hands as the primary playmaker. Yeah. So they made the off-ball guards or, you know, wings uh, initiate offense. And when you have your non-primary guy initiating offense, leads to turnovers. They were able to get turnovers, get out and run, and lead to some easy baskets. And then that helps their confidence. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the ne- the next point, so that's number one. That just was a great start to the game from them. Bobby Portis was huge as well. Oh, in big terms energy. Of confidence. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I'm talking about the nerves factor, he came in and had a, a start to the game reminiscent of uh, Draymond Green in the, that 2000 and I think it was 18 or 17 final series against uh, LeBron and the Cavs when he had six or seven threes. That's not his game, but he's just someone who who oozes confidence and in big moments can just step up in whatever way is needed. That's what Bobby Portis did early in the game. Um, so point number two, uh, Chris Paul stepped up. He did step up at times, especially early in the game. You know, we, we've critiqued how he wasn't playing particularly well. Yeah, we saw three straight games of him really not stepping up to the level he needed to be in the finals. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of a shame we never got to see him and Book really uh, mesh together on those two first yeah. games because uh, Book had a bit of a rough outing in game six. Yeah. But that is by design as well in terms of the Bucks. You know, you have to give up something when you've got a backcourt that's so dominant. So yeah. they shift their attention towards, uh, you know, trying to slow down Booker in the, um, you know, in, in the half-court sets, which they did extremely well. Yes, yeah. And so in turn, CP stepped up and was able to score. Most of the action he got was generated through getting an on-ball screen, but then being patient and getting another on-ball screen to get the mismatches he wanted and then just getting to his spots. So that was my second point. Number three... Uh, one word, Giannis. Yeah, um, what a game! Yeah. Um, like there, are, there are people calling this the greatest closeout performance we've ever seen in an NBA Finals series, yeah. and that's like that's ahead of like maybe Magic um, when he had forty two points as a rookie um, without Kareem, uh, Jordan when he had forty five points versus the Jazz. Yeah, um, this he is had up there. This is going fifty down points, history. fourteen rebounds, yeah. five blocks. Yeah, at seventeen of nineteen from the th- from the free throw line, he, a guy who has been critiqued and laughed at and mocked for an inability to shoot free throws. Yeah, there was um there was a bar in Milwaukee that was giving out free shots every time Giannis hit ah, a free throw. Well, so that would have been 17 shots uh, for a few people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so incredible historic game, which will go down in, in history for him. Uh, you know, hats off to him. And what what a legacy. Um, he's made two MVPs in a row, um, a defensive player of the year. Um, and to, to follow that up with getting to his first NBA finals and just uh, being the most deserving finals MVP, mm-hmm. um, you could make a case for Chris Middleton definitely, but Giannis was... Uh, oh, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. As good as Chris was, no, Giannis was obviously... It was he a was no-brainer. A, yeah. um, he, was, he was absolutely dominant and it's such a special... You know, we all know how much of a special athlete he is, but the fact that in that game... Not only scoring by, you know, getting above the rim, but, you know, at times we saw him, uh, you know, you pick your poison with him. You try to keep him away from the rim and, and stop him from dunking the basketball. He was hitting post fadeaways, you know, settling for mid-range jump shots and making them and hitting all his free throws. I mean, impossible to stop. And this is the thing when someone's like not a not a great shooter, if, if they um or even good shooters when they're struggling... Um, when they get it going from the free throw line, it really like um, loosens them up a bit. And when he was just hitting his free throws, that's when you saw him to dominate in the mid range. Yeah, um, his confidence, really t- confidence was sky high. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then, so my fourth point was um, it kind of ties in, but it's about fouls in this game. I yeah. think the fouls, the foul situation was really interesting, had a big impact. 
So on one side, you had Chris Middleton had three fouls within the first half, actually midway through the second quarter. So, you know, that's dangerous for the Bucks. At that point, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be real tricky for them. Um, he, you know, if, 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 the, if, the, uh, if the Suns can, you know, get switches and attack him, really attack him, put pressure on him and try to get him a fourth or fifth foul, he's going to have to sit. And what that means is with him off the court, you can really focus on Giannis because yep. you haven't got that other big scoring threat. You can double Giannis. You can throw all sorts of bodies and looks at him. An inability for the Suns to really capitalize on Chris's fouls, that was really costly, and it meant that Giannis had enough space on the court to just dominate the way he Inside, did. Inside, yeah, yeah. So that's my fourth point. And then, um, and, oh, and uh, with that point as well, DeAndre Ayton on the flip side did get in foul trouble and had to sit at times through the third and fourth quarter. And that really uh, messes with the flow of Phoenix's, Phoenix trying to take control of the game. Yeah. Um, when he's in and out and they're trying to match minutes with him him on the floor with Giannis, yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely very difficult to, to get it all flowing when, you, yeah, when well, your big man's he's out. He's the main rim protector. He's the guy who's you know meant to stop Giannis from just kind of having, having his will inside, you know, in, asserting his will. And he wasn't on the court in big moments due to fouls and, and Giannis had a 50 piece. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then my fifth point was just, you know, with the greatness, as great as Giannis was, um, we, we've spoken about this previously, Chris Middleton being able to step up and hit some big shots. Not a great scoring game for him, but to come in clutch at the end, it kind of typifies what we said about him being the closer in a way. That, that shot he hit when it was 96-100, yeah. the Suns really that's, needed that's, a, a that's stop. That's the nail in the coffin. That yeah. was it. That was it. Um, very well defended by Devin Booker. He made sure to have his hands down uh, when he was taking the shot, but like yeah. just just clutch the shot they needed. Yeah, exactly. And you could tell as soon as they hit that shot, yeah, that's that was uh, Bucks that was championship. It. Exactly. That's the one that I'm really referring to is, is that big shot. Um, it, it, you know, it's like we said a few episodes ago, it's like that uh, Shaq and Kobe in the early 2000s kind of situation. Shaq dominating uh, for, a, for a bulk of the game and then Kobe as a finisher. And that's like Giannis and Chris Middleton. It's really awesome um, to see a, a small town, um, a small market NBA team get, um, get this far and win a championship. Yeah. Especially, um, this wasn't a team that was like, you know, they're, they're two stars, Chris Middleton and Giannis. They weren't traded for. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they, they were they were real building it blocks. It is built absolutely. Um, uh, Giannis talked a lot about in the 2013-14 season. Him and Chris would really go at each other because they wanted to earn minutes to mm. be you know like to be the player for their team. Um, and it, it obviously really pushed them pushed each other to, to get to this level. Um, and you know it, it delivered for them. Yeah, I mean this is a team uh, that you know yeah such an incredible achievement for them. Uh, Giannis. You look at his background, you know, he grew up, you know, extremely poor um, in Greece, would sell, you know, was selling CDs on the side of the street. You know, that's how he was trying to make make money for his family to yeah. survive. Um, you know, didn't start playing basketball till he was like 14, 15. So, yeah. you know, you look at his background, you look at Chris Middleton as the second guy, you know, he was the 39th pick in the second round of, of when he was selected in the NBA. Um, you look at PJ Tucker spent time in the G League, which was obviously called the D League at the time. A lot of the time overseas as well. Yeah, spent yeah spent yeah. quite a bulk of his career overseas. These are guys who were unassuming. They were kind of have been underdogs at times, have been overlooked, and you know built like you said a team that was built, not bought, and they've um they've come through and won a championship. Yeah, and it's just so huge for the NBA to see mm. those teams get to that point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you look at you know the NBA over the last. This is a championship. For me, when I reflect on this season and this championship, um, this it's 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 a series. Uh, sorry, it's a it's a playoffs of just difference. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's different than it has been in the past. You know, you look at LeBron uh, and how he dominated for so long since basically two thousand eleven to two thousand and eighteen. LeBron was in the NBA Finals. It was yeah. almost a given that we would see him there. 
And then, you know, he was either going to win or, of course, there was the reign of the Golden State Warriors who also dominated. Um, and it was pretty much a given that you'd see LeBron versus them. There was, was always, there was always that door in the East that you knew you were going to have to go through LeBron. Yeah. And, uh, LeBron, whatever team he was on, he, he held the keys to the door. Yeah. Uh, you had to go through him. Yeah, yeah, so the NBA, it was much of the... I don't want to say it was, you know, all the same. It obviously wasn't. Each year is, is different. But there was times where you could pretty much bank on who you'd see in the NBA Finals. It'd be, you know, a LeBron James-led team against Golden State. And, the, you know, the, the dynasty, if you can call it a dynasty of Golden State, and, and with Steph and Clay, and then obviously bringing in Kevin Durant, like, they were so dominant for so long, LeBron was so dominant, and still is dominant, obviously, yeah. but as an individual, um, this was a year of change. This is uh, two guys who, uh, when I say two guys, the leading scorers for each team um, were drafted to the team and that, and that they were playing for, and that's the first time since 2010. And um, who knows, this could start a trend of, uh, of um, players who have been drafted to a team saying, hey, maybe I should stay around stick and, and stick it out. And, um, and yet, this is something Giannis said in his post-game presser. Um, I could have gone and joined another team. Um, there was a lot of pressure put on him last year, which is crazy for a 25-year-old to have pressure on to, hey, are you going to stay at this team and lose or are you going to yeah. go somewhere else and win a championship? Yeah. And Giannis highlighted how, you know, I want to stay here. I want to build something special in Milwaukee, and he stuck to his words. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, you can't. Um, the utmost respect for Giannis and what, what he was able to do. Um, another story that I, I forgot to mention was, you know, you look at him in his rookie year, like how far he's come. Yeah. Um, when he received his first kind of paycheck in the NBA as a rookie, as a skinny, uh, little-known rookie kind of. Yeah. You know, he had big upside, but you know, a lot of people still had their doubts about him. But anyway, he got his first paycheck and immediately sent that money home to his family in Greece because, you know, they, they needed it to, to live. So he, without thinking, just sent it all off to them. Um, so he didn't have enough money to for the taxi fare to his game. He had a game that night. And so, you know, the true story is that a couple who were going to the game as Bucks fans saw him running along the highway to try to get to the, the stadium. This is an NBA player. Um, and, you know, they picked him up and, and, you know, they asked him if he wanted a lift to the stadium. So to think about how far he's come and to, to drop, you know, to have one of the most historic games, finals games in NBA history, uh, yeah, hats off to him and, and the team. Yeah, just one more quick Giannis story. Um, I heard about it from a coach in Greece um, saying saying to Giannis when he was young, still still raw but with lots of potential, um, talking about saying to Giannis, um, hey, like, look at this player, Nick Batum. Um, if you work really hard, uh, you can be that type of player. And um, Giannis mm-hmm. looked at his coach, uh, like, just with a bit of confusion. He said... If I'm going to be um, Nick Batum, I may as well just stay living in Greece. Yeah. Um, so just just a testament to like Nick Batum's a good player, but yeah. Giannis had had um, great greatness in his um in his in his eyes. Yeah. Um, but as much as we've highlighted how good as the Bucks were, we do have to give props to the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, the Suns. You know what? A, um, we called them the team of destiny, and you know. I guess uh, there's also the NBA adage that you have to win before you can. Sorry, you have to lose before you can win. Yeah. Um, and I guess even that trumps the team of destiny. You yeah. know, the Bucks had lost before and, and they came back and won. The Suns hadn't really been through hardship as a group before, but what a run they went on. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic run. Um, you know, hats off to them. I'm a huge Devin Booker fan, and, and was only more impressed after seeing him in this run. And this will this will only fuel him more. Yeah. Um, like I I I have no doubt with this is the last, this isn't the last we've seen of Devin Booker. Yeah. Um, he he will be back. Yeah. But. I mean, the problem you're right in in saying that, and of course, you know, I, I'm so excited to see his future and the Suns' future because lots of young talent. 
At the same time, you know, this was a golden opportunity for both the groups who were in the finals because you look at the fouls, uh, uh, not the fouls, the injuries situation yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, throughout the league uh, this season and this playoffs in particular. So, you know, there's a few question marks. Next year and going forward, uh, do teams like, are they going to have another chance? You know, given that, you know, you look at um, the Nets being, ex- you know, really injured, the Warriors in the West being extremely injured, uh, you know, LeBron and AD suffering from injuries in LA. Um, these teams, you know, you wonder if this is going to start a trend of these new young teams leaping forward and, and, and getting to that big stage, or if, you know, this was kind of a once-in-a-lifetime once window. Um, oh, definitely. Uh, for, for the Suns, there's um, a big question of, like, they have to decide, uh, are they going to re-sign Chris Paul? Um, they definitely know the formula it took to get to the finals. Um, uh, Chris Paul, a, a leadership playmaking point guard, really helped uh, the growth of Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, as you said, there's there's so much um, promise about next year's NBA season. Like, you've yeah. got, you got healthy teams coming back. Yeah. Um, what are they going to be at their full potential? Um, yeah, definitely a, a championship window. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that we didn't uh, see this season, you know, materialise. So much potential that we didn't really see materialise. And it was great because we got to see something very new and different. Mm-hmm. But now we got to ask, you know, you look at the Nets. Uh, the Nets took the uh, took the Bucks to seven games and were literally inches away for, from being uh, making it to the NBA Finals and possibly being NBA yeah. champions. You know, the, and what I what I'm referencing there is KD's uh, turnaround shot to to send it, it did it to send the game to OT yeah. uh, in Game Seven of the um, the series against the Bucks. But if he was a fraction uh, further back, he would have been. It would have been a three-point shot, and they would have been packing their bags for the NBA Finals. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's uh, just what an opportunity for Milwaukee. They they um they really took advantage in the finals. They were yeah it, inches away from from being knocked out, and this being a net Suns Finals. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just amazing how those things can happen in the NBA. Yeah, but it does beg the question, you know, when the, when the Nets are fully healthy, um, they're obviously going to be a huge competitor for the for the title, as everyone expected they would be this year. Yeah. Uh, the worries will be Clay Thompson. I can't wait to see him back. Yeah, I think he everyone's is. excited to see him. And it, it only brings out the best in Steph because it gives him more space on the on the court when you have another scoring threat and, and shooting threat like that. So that's going to be very exciting in the West. Uh, LeBron and AD will run it back. LeBron's thirty six, I know, but and and you know you wonder if he's kind of turned the corner. He's past his his prime now, um, and you know whilst he's lost his a bit of explosiveness, might not be dominating the way he used to. This is one of the greatest athletes that's ever walked the face of the earth. So I, I wouldn't rule him out as a 50-year-old. Not at all. Um, and we've just seen him get a bit more injured towards towards this last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. So um, he definitely has to be a little bit more careful. But I, 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 you can never count out LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Every time we have, he's, um, he's answered back. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, going forward with the NBA season next year, I mean, to look to... You know, will it be these young teams and, and that are going to push their way through again? Or will yeah. we see something a bit different... Um, Due to you know less injuries and and more you know more health, we you always want a healthy league so that you can see the very best that's on offer. And this but, was um a congested season as well. Yeah. Um, you, the NBA will, might do something different. Will they stay with seventy two games? Mm-hmm. Um, that I think there will be pressure from teams to go back to the maybe the A two game format. A uh, bit more, bit more space. Yeah. But we will have to see. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, but in saying all this health stuff and how you know it might have been a bit different with all the teams healthy. You know, if the, if the Nets are healthy, they were you know kind of a clear favorite. If they were all healthy, I don't take anything away from this title whatsoever. Some yeah. people you know put a question mark next to it or an asterisk. I think you know every title comes with its own challenges. Every year has its own, and injuries are, are a part of the game. 
Um, the Bucks, you know, are very deserving, and and Giannis is Finals MVP. Yeah. You see him at a at Chick Fil A ordering the fifty piece. Yeah, not not fifty one, not forty nine. Yeah, he wanted fifty. He, uh, you know, he he live streamed himself on uh, you know um going in and ordering a fifty piece of chicken. Like I think that's why everyone loves Giannis. Yeah, he's um, a funny guy. And just after you win a championship, everyone they all just look like children with how excited yeah. they are carrying the trophy yeah. around. It's it's, it's amazing. Great, you know, yeah, awesome achievement for them. So congrats to the Bucks. Uh, going forward, so you want to talk about the um, our old school soft story? Yeah, so we're going to go back to 1993. Um, this is Alan Iverson, and this is before we knew him as the answer, um, one of the most prolific um, guards we've seen in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those guys that, you know, didn't win a championship, but like he's, he's always at the top in, in your list as like top point guards. Um, so this is a moment, um, so like at this moment, uh, he was the high school player of the year for both football and basketball. Um, in 1993, he was involved in a group in, group brawl, uh, and him and two of his friends were arrested due to it. Iverson, being 17 um, at the time, he was trialed as an adult and sentenced to 15 years in prison. Um, and during this, and but um, during this time, uh, he actually got four months instead due to due to there not being enough. Uh, What's evidence. Um, evidence towards the case, um, and during the four months in prison, um, his mum he his mum went and found coached coached uh, John Thompson of Georgetown, um, and and because of this incident, he lost all of his college offers because uh, it shown it shown like um, his characteristics weren't there, um, but his mum went and found coach uh, John Thompson and asked him just to go meet Alan in prison, and just just to talk to him, and due to this, um, John Thompson gave Alan Iverson a scholarship upon release to Georgetown. Um, and really gave him another opportunity at um, being an MBA, being getting into the NBA, and just um, being able to live live his life as like a professional athlete. Um, and Iverson, from this from this moment, he went on to win Big East Defensive Player of the Year and set the school record for scoring. Um, and like as we were talking about before with uh, the Bucks Net series, how it was inches away from from being so so different. Uh, this 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 could have gone a different way if Iverson had never it didn't get out. He spent fifteen years in prison. We never know him as the answer. Yeah, we'd never we'd never know him and, at all. Point and, blank. And this is um after this he was the number one pick in the nineteen ninety six draft, and this was a pretty pretty great draft. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. Stacked NBA draft like Ray Allen, Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, all those kind of guys. Yeah. Incredible. Um. Incredible draft. And he was he was a bright start spark in the NBA. I mean, one of the all time greats. You know, he's in all, in all sorts of conversations in terms of his. His natural ability and his skill level is just off the charts. Um, Kobe used to say, um, "We're we're lucky that AI is only however tall he is, six yeah, one or whatever he is. One, yeah. If he was six six or six seven, like it's game over for everybody." And he only played about twelve or thirteen NBA seasons, and he scored t- almost twenty five thousand points. Yeah. He he was a no, bucket. He's, he's incredible. Yeah, and I think it it goes to show that story is a really interesting one, and and it's interesting to think about the fact that that. The amount of people we never did see that, um, you know, had unfortunate circumstances that, you know, never made it out of, you know, bad situations growing up or, you know, you look at, I mean, stories like off the top of my head, Drazen Petrovic, who yeah. tragically passed away before his career could really shine. Um, you've got high school play, you hear stories of high school superstars who either, you know, uh, get tra- you know, really seriously injured and unable to play or, you know, something tragic happens and they end up in prison or, you know, um, don't survive. Um, yeah, it's crazy how for some of these people that it, it's not just about the skill and basketball ability. 
you need a little bit of luck and you need things to go right. And for, for AI, that was um, Coach Thompson giving him a chance. Exactly. Um, the NBA landscape can, landscape can be so different due to, due to many things. Um, and in Allen Iverson's Hall of Fame speech, he made, it, he made a big point to shout out Coach Thompson for, for saving his life, as mm-hmm. he said, and for, um, for just giving him the opportunity to be who he was in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what a player he was. Yeah, I, I love AI. I think he's, he's a really cool guy. Um, you see him now supporting the NBA still as a... He's, he's a guy who's really sensitive. Like, you just get this vibe from him that he... You know, whilst he, he grew up in hardship and all this, and he was, you know, he was a tough character. Yeah. But he has this, you know, he has this this big heart. You see him reach out to young players today, and, and he, he loves watching young players play, and still a huge, uh, you know, supporter of the game. And, yeah, just one of the legends of the game, and very, very lucky that we um, that we were able to see him flourish as an NBA star. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so we're also going to talk a little bit about we've got the now the NBA season's all finished up. Um, we do have the Olympics coming up uh, three days time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Australia will be will start their Olympic campaign in the group stages versus Nigeria. Um, so very exciting to to see what um what this Australian team's going to be. Um, we're all very we're all very high on this squad. They they um they came out of the the um exhibition play uh, ranked one in FIBA rankings going into the Olympics. Yeah, they're looking fantastic. You know, Australia going to be good. We've mentioned this previously, but yeah, just really excited to get that started, and that'll be one of the focuses of our episodes going forward is tracking their progression and how they go. Um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of great teams. International competition is just only getting better and better and better. So I'm um, looking forward to some really exciting games. Um, yeah. The U.S. Um, on on speaking about uh, the Olympics, the U.S. are uh, they've got three new guys coming in. Yeah. Uh, three guys who've just played in the NBA finals. So that's Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Devin Booker. And really funny, we were talking about before this the fact that the three of them have to get on a private plane together to travel to Tokyo to, to join the Olympic squad. Yeah. So tomorrow the Bucks are going to have their championship parade, um, mm-hmm. which will be which will be electric for the city of Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, straight after that, with a few hangovers, Drew Holiday yeah. and Chris Milton are going to. It's going to be very awkward. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So Devin Booker, <laughs> who was their their rival uh, in in throughout this final series, the three of them are going to be sitting on a a fourteen hour flight together. Um, you, you wonder where Devin's going to sit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's obviously so much mutual respect between yeah. them after a series like that, but um, Straight I think it. it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely very soon for Devin to be able to look past what's just happened. Give him a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in terms of, on a more serious note, uh, what those guys will provide for Team USA, um, I think Drew Holiday is the perfect piece in their puzzle. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I was speaking about, which uh, people agree and disagree with, that I can understand why they wouldn't have Trey Young in the lineup because yeah. he's needs to be ball dominant and he's a bit too small defensively to to play the style of defense US has been playing which is switching one through Mm -hmm. five Drew Holiday is not a ball dominant point guard he can you know he doesn't need to score um, but he can play make and he's also extremely defensive minded extremely strong and tough and can switch one through five yeah we saw them struggle a little bit with Dame as the point guard um, just because like he yeah, he's not that playmaker Drew is mm-hmm. um, and like I, I would sort of assume that Dame might move to the two guard Drew will be the yeah, starting point could, guard Dame could play off the ball but the other thing is uh, to look at uh, Devin Booker and Chris Middleton. You assume these are two prolific scorers. You could only assume they're going to help the team. But I wonder if there's going to be an adjustment period. You know, these US, you saw them go 0-2 and then as they were trying to mesh as a group, then they bounced back and, and, and finished exhibition 2-2. Two and two. But with two new guys who like to score the basketball joining the group, 
I wonder if there might even be a little bit more of an adjustment. Well, period. I was talking about this the other day. Coach Pop, um, it's it's difficult when you've got so many um, stars on the team. He has to have a bit of a shorter rotation, yeah. uh, possibly going to Olympic play, and that's that's going to be obviously difficult mm-hmm. um, with, with the with the amount of star on that team. So he's going to have to adjust in the coming games um, while the players get adjusted to the FIBA rules, the different rests. Um, it's a, it's a very big change to the NBA yeah. game. I mean, as a as a, as a basketball coach, not that I've ever coached the likes of the USA team, but you know what I mean? As, as a coach, you call that a good problem when you've got... Too much. You know, it's like we have too much talent on a roster. I mean, that's, that's, that's a good problem to have, but it is just about managing egos and needs for each player. And, you know, if the US can do that, they put themselves in a great position. But, yeah, that's something Australia have done really well, and I'm really excited to see the Boomers. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so we'll, we'll leave it there for episode 10. Uh, thanks very much for listening again on our, on our 10th episode, bit of a milestone. Uh, we're really looking forward to episodes going forward. We can be a bit more creative, you know, come up with some different topics now that the, the finals are over. Yeah, definitely talk. Uh, definitely going to talk Olympics, um, NBA offseason. We've got free agency in the drafts coming out, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, about how the, the, the teams can change in the offseason. Um, and, yeah, le- just leading to the next season. Yeah, and we'll, um, we'll be posting some polls on the Instagram as well with some topics, some hypotheticals we might want to discuss. So um, keep an eye out for those two and cast some votes. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening, guys.